four or five. It's one of the two. I think twenty four. I think it was twenty four too. Um, so we have made the decision. We're gonna do the top ten underrated NFL players. So I guess we could do the top ten overrated NFL players next episode if that is what we still wish. Um, we we were just we always do this just like for a couple minutes before we actually do the show. We just talk about it and talk about the list a little bit. And uh, they're going to be very different. We have a very different variety of, of positions. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. This is a super subjective list. So, that's mm-hmm. everyone will have their different opinions on this. But we always yeah. ask, how has your, your, your day has been lately since we met? <laughs> uh, I've done nothing. <laughs> well, I went to church on Wednesday. That's, that's about it. They, there was, like, the business meeting at our church on Wednesday. So we like we don't go to those. So we didn't have church on Wednesday. But other than that, I've just been I've been doing a lot of stuff for school, <laughs> like I, like at school, like extracurricular activities are are starting now. So it's kind of tiring, but that is what it is. I mean, yesterday I was uh, I was up at the camp with to see my cousin. And we were supposed to record yesterday, but I fell asleep in the car, and when I got home, I just went straight to bed. So I always feel like I'm I'm messing up the show schedule, but. Like, I don't have anything going on for the next month until school starts. So, I other think, than I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to be doing next week, to be honest. So, yeah, uh, I don't know either. So, yeah, I'm getting my wisdom teeth out, and then other that, there's just cross country and you must and, re- record an episode while you're on the laughing gas. <laughs> well, we might uh, if we want to record a show tomorrow, we could because then we'll have the three episode week. But my 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 cheeks are gonna be really swelled. Um, <laughs> like I feel like I feel like most of the yeah I feel like most of the 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 medication is gonna be out of my my system at that point. So I wouldn't be saying anything too crazy. But I still look weird. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. No one but, can see it except you, and I don't think you'd really care that much. But <laughs> well, I guess to start off the news as per usual, we have some good news. Some bad news. We'll start off. I'm gonna start off with the bad news, and we can we can go into the good and enough on the good note. Um, lots and lots of players have been deciding to opt out of the contracts for the season. Um, last episode or maybe two episodes ago, we talked about the Chiefs' offensive lineman Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I ended up opting out for because he was on the front lines battling. Lots of players, lots of New England players specifically. They have like ten that are sitting out, multiple yeah. starters. And there's a lot of like quality, quality people sitting out. Like we have Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Nate Solder, Michael Pierce, Damian Williams, Devin Funches, Marquise Goodwin. The list goes on and on of guys like that that are that are choosing to sit out the season. Um, we haven't seen any like big, big, big names sit out yet. Damian Williams and Michael Pierce, probably the bigger, the biggest of the names there. But. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that we don't see any big names because this is this is not a good sign. People opting out. The more people that opt out, the, the worse. Obviously, the lower a chance that you would see of a season happening. There's been a lot of speculation. The season could get shortened to like 12 games. Um, I think whatever you need to do, if you can get the players to 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 be on board with it, take the necessary protocols, whatever. I we 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 need a season. So yeah. that, that, that's all there is to it. The it would be hard to run. The Colton and Joe show, like, cause I've been, I like, once the season starts, then it's just we got like, we can talk about like stuff for on and on, but it'll be hard to think of make it like just top ten lists and like 
just random things until like for a whole nother year, which I don't know. I, I really want the NFL season to start. Um, and like Big Ben, if Big Ben has like another year, he's going to be 40 when, he, when we come back if we did not have this season. Um, and at that point, he'll probably like, who knows what his physical status would be. So, but I don't know. I that's the subway for a lot of players like Tom Brady. Like, I don't think Tom Brady would come back when he's 43 to like next year. <laughs> it's me. But, um, next, John Lynch. Uh, the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers has been extended through 2024. Um, good move. Get your guy locked down. He's been very productive there, obviously. Made some aggressive moves, bringing Garoppolo, signings of Tevin Coleman, trade for Trent Williams. He's been a uh, good drafter as he's been there with guys like, obviously, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, um, Jimmy Ward. Brought in Richard Sherman. He's, he's an aggressive guy, and he got them to the Super Bowl, so obviously... It's a good thing. Locking them down. They locked down Shanahan earlier this offseason, so they've got their guys for years to come. Yeah, yeah, that, I saw that. That was something that seemed pretty obvious. Um, it's not often you see GMs, like, sign long-term. I feel like I feel that's not something that happens often, but or it's just not publicized that much. But Honestly, I do not know the answer to that. <laughs> to be honest. I, I know uh, Kevin Cole, but yeah, Kevin Cole just signs, like, the one-year deals pretty much every single offseason. Because he wants to keep his options open, I guess. So, so we got uh, Tua Tagovailoa has officially passed his physical by the Miami Dolphins and is cleared for contact, cleared for all physical activity, for full practices and whatever else he wants. Obviously, whether they're going to put him in full physical practices, we don't know. But he is cleared to do so. Um, there's not much to say. He, he can be out there he's not going to be limited in training camp and whatever capacity that ends up being um whether he'll start week one we don't know there's been a lot of speculation about him starting week one i don't know if it's the best of ideas but i'm not going to complain it is if it is because i love me some too it's Vailoa. he was my pick for offensive rookie of the year and um the more time i can watch him play the better mm-hmm. yeah that'd be cool Tua is it's certainly like i feel like it'd be good to get him going with some momentum early in his career because if you if you're like Dwayne Haskins, if you played for like a winning team, like a team that was good around him, I feel like the perception, the public perception of him would be a lot different than if you know, obviously the situation that he's in now. So maybe what I feel like, yeah, I'd like to see him play, but I don't think they will. I don't think they will play him right away. But we'll, we'll see. That's that's the Dolphins' decision, and either way, I'm pretty much happy because I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be good too. That is good to hear. <laughs> yeah, who knows with that? But next is. Another little bit of speculation to a point. Um, Bradley McDougal was recently traded from the Jets to, or from the Seahawks to the Jets in the Jamal Adams trade safety. Um, he was on a FaceTime. He posted this all on Twitter for one. It was a picture of him on a FaceTime call with his former Seattle teammate Jadavion Clowney, and a caption that, that mentioned that Clowney had re- reportedly told him, told McDougal to tell the Jets to quote unquote come and get him. Um, so. Who knows if that's real? Obviously, that, that, that that's something. It was on McDougal, Bradley McDougal's Twitter. Um, you know, whether or not that's real, whether or not that was a joke, we don't know. Jimmy Clowney is still obviously unsigned, and he is still a very good player. Um, no, Nobody's denying that one. So um, who knows if that's real. That's, just, that's obviously a bit of speculation, whether he was joking or not, obviously. It's, it, it would be nice to get Clowney in the doors of some place as quickly as possible, but whether that's the New York Jets... I don't know. I do not know either. 
They didn't want to pay Jamal Adams. Um, would they want to pay uh, <laughs> J.W. Kalani? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. We've got one of the bigger things. Uh, Joey Bosa, Los Angeles Chargers, signed a five-year extension worth $135 million. The bigger, Probably the biggest news of the past week, making him the highest-paid defender in NFL history, over $100 million guaranteed. Highest paid defender in the NFL right now, obviously, if he's the highest in the NFL history, but um, that's just he's setting the market high. And I'll tell you what, that market is just going to keep rising. When you look at the young guys, pass rushers especially, are going to be breaking that. Even Jamal Adams is somebody that could be breaking that, but come next year, TJ Watt is someone that might be breaking that the year after. And then you have Nick Bosa to worry about at some point. That is going to get broken many times, and the market just keep, keeps rising and rising. And the, the deals like this are not good for teams like Pittsburgh and San Francisco that have top-tier young edge rushers to worry about, or even Minnesota with Daniel Hunter. So, or uh, yeah, or even the hopes of bringing back Buddy Pree, which which we've mentioned, we think Alex Eisman is going to take over. But but if the market's set that high, like Buddy Pree isn't going to ask for a contract that big because he knows he's not going to get it. But like it's still going to be higher than than his asking price before. So, mm-hmm. and the franchise tag with contracts like that, the franchise tag just gets more and more expensive with every big contract that is added. So, you know, not always the best thing there. But in the last piece of news, just came out today, probably an hour ago or so. Sean Shady McCoy has officially signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, a bit of a surprise move. We we discussed this a little bit the loss of Damian Williams opting out for the season. We kind of thought that Shady McCoy was going to re-sign there for some running back depth with the Kansas City Chiefs. And there were some reports earlier in the offseason that Devontae Freeman was someone that the Bucs were interested in. And we kind of thought that Devontae Freeman would be the Bucs guy and Shady McCoy would get re-signed. But McCoy has signed with the Bucs. He looks to probably be their starting running back in all likelihood unless Keyshawn Vaughn really impresses in training camp. But Devontae Freeman is still unsigned, so... He's still a productive running back. I would like to see him get signed, but obviously. Who knows? NFL teams know better than I do. Yeah, I don't know. Because I heard uh, reports that Bruce Arians was like all in on Ronald Jones. So it's weird they signed Shady whenever they were they were so all in. But reports like those are can be taken with a grain of salt these days because <laughs> yeah, their views of players have changed so so quickly some at times. So who knows? That is true. I would never be all in on a guy quote-unquote, all-in on a guy like Ronald Jones. So, <laughs> you know how it is. But, whatever. We got, a lot, like we mentioned, we got our, our top 10 underrated players. Now, this episode. Moving into that. Yep. This, full disclosure, is going to be the most different list we have, and it's not going to be close, because there is a chance that, like, 8 out of 10 on our list are different. Because uh, you look at it, it's, obviously, it's every player in the entire NFL. It's a lot more subjective, like we were talking. We talked about this a little bit before. Um, when you look at like a top ten positional player, obviously it's narrowed down to just play from that position. But there's really only like twenty guys or so that should be in consideration for your top ten list, and um, it's easier to narrow it down between that. And it's going to be a lot. And it's like obviously we know certain guys are just better, but this isn't about. This is more subjective because it's. Not as much of like you can look at stats and numbers and see who's better, but underrated wise is like, well, I think this guy's super good, but nobody else does. It comes down to what you think versus what everybody else thinks. It's just 
a lot more subjective of a list. So it's going to be very, very different there. But without further ado, my honorable mentions. Dallas Goddard is my first honorable mention. Um, when you second round tight end a few years back, and you come in backing up one of the top three tight ends in the league, you're going to be underrated. And he's going to be a great tight end. He was, I believe he's been the fifth ranked tight end in the league since he was drafted in PFF. He's been an absolute monster behind Zach Ertz. They run a lot of double tight end sets there in Philadelphia. And he's just a very underrated piece there. Um, next, I got Alexander Johnson, which is a name that not many people know. Linebacker for the Denver Broncos, undrafted free agent, um, put up about 91 tackles, pair of sacks, like 13 quarterback hits or something of the sort. He was just a very productive linebacker, especially for someone that was not expected to do anything close to that. Corey Littleton, new Las Vegas Raider. He made my top 10 uh, off-ball linebackers list, actually. He's a very, very sure tackler. He's proven to be able to hold his end in the passing game. And that's really all you can ask for for a middle linebacker. So, um, Corey Littleton is a guy not many people heard of. But I didn't put him in my top 10 because people, he got a big old contract now or bigger than you would have expected for a guy of his caliber. So, people are really starting to come around to him and kind of learn more about him. And that is the same for my last honorable mention, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Javon Hargrave interior defensive lineman now on the philadelphia eagles um people are starting to come around on him really being able to see the production that he's been putting up in both the running game and the passing game he gets a lot of pressures and he's just a big run stuffer he can block those gaps and he's going to do wonders there down in philadelphia alongside fletcher cox and the interior defensive line yeah that's uh it's a solid set of players there none of them are the same um <laughs> my first honorable mention is ty hilton of the indianapolis colts um, he's been good for years with Andrew Luck, and in, uh, even this year he did good with with some lackluster quarterback play. Um, no, funny enough, funny enough, before you continue, the guy there was one guy that was all almost on my honorable mentions, but I ended up taking out, and it was a Colts wide receiver, but it was not T.Y. Hilton. It was uh, it was Zach uh, Pascal. Oh, I knew it was, it was yeah, on my honorable mentions before I I had to add somebody else. He was good. I feel like T.Y. Hilton does not get the recognition. He was almost on my top. I think he was on a bunch of my top 10 wide receiver list. So he could have easily been top 10. But I don't think many people think of that. Next, I have David DeCastro. Like you said, he's someone people are coming around to him nowadays. Um, I'm noticing how good he is. But he's someone I don't think he gets talked about as much as one of the top offensive linemen in the NFL, which I think he is. Next, this one's kind of bold, I guess. Tredavious White. Um, he's... I like it. Consensus two or three wider cornerbacks in the NFL, but he's still. Um, sometimes I feel like he's still like put down compared to some of the top cornerbacks in the league, where like he is that good. And then I have Joe Mixon, running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, who um who's put up some good stats behind an absolutely horrendous offensive line. So yeah. so, that, so that's yeah, this is gonna be a an interesting list. I can tell already. Oh, it'll be it'll be very different, but I guess jump right into it my number 10 i i mentioned that there were going to be a few positions that really dominated this list for me my number 10 is a dory jackson of the tennessee titans corner is going to be one of the positions that will light up my list uh dory jackson he he had the sixth highest coverage grade by pro football focus this year of any player in the league um a dory jackson is just a guy that no one really thinks of came out of usc three years ago now i believe um and all signs are pointing towards the fact that he's going to be the number one corner now in Tennessee as Logan Ryan 
currently is a free agent and it does not look like he's going to get re-signed there. Um, Logan Ryan's really been the number one corner since Dory Jackson's got there. And it looks like he's going to be having to take over that role. And it looks like he's, it's a steep task. Obviously they've got some productive receivers in that division. Um, one of them is on this list a little bit later. You will see, but um, I don't know. I think you can, I think you fill in the shoes of Logan Ryan. He's a very productive coverage grade. As long as he's been in the league, um, he gets a lot of pass breakups. And he's just been flying under the radar as long as he's been in this league. Not a lot of people have known about him. And I think he's been one of the more stud players in this league since he's entered. Yeah. Um, that's a good That's a good pick there. He, he, he'd not come to mind when I was thinking of underrated players. So I guess that just shows how underrated he is. I didn't really think of him. He is, I didn't know he was good, though. I didn't know he played for this. But number 10, this one's kind of weird. It's kind of on the same level as, like, Tredavious White. Russell Wilson, I think we have Russell Wilson at number 10. So, um, like, last year or even, like, two years ago, I think I definitely would have had him super underrated. But now, like, everyone's coming around. He's either three or, like, some – I've seen less where he's he's been as low as, like, five, top, like, the fifth-best quarterback in the NFL. And the fact that someone put him that low is, like, just – that's just crazy. Um, with the NFL 100 list, he was he was high, obviously. But, but sometimes I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. He only um, – like, he has not had the best receiving core. Like, he hasn't had any good, really, like, he hasn't had a stud receiver his whole career in Seattle. Um, nor, like, his the, his offensive pieces around him have never been top tier. So, I think he's he does not get the recognition he deserves at times. Uh, that's, that is that's, accurate. I can agree with that there. But I, I like the pick, Russell Wilson. I'd say he's underrated. I think people don't really give him enough credit for what he does. So... I guess moving on to my number nine is a guy that not a lot of people even know about. And I've mentioned him actually a decent bit on this podcast. Bashad Breland of the Kansas City Chiefs, another corner. Um, you saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I think he put up two interceptions, eight passes defended this year, allowed 46% completion with a 68.6% quarterback rating allowed. Um, above average numbers for a corner. and But just the impact that he brings in there. Obviously, they lose Steven Nelson to the Steelers who was their number one corner for a long time, as long as he was in the league since they drafted him. Um, Breland, obviously that defense really turned it up at the end of the season, and that's not really all credit to Breland. Obviously they had Tyron Matthew, they had Chris Jones, Frank Clark, the list goes on. But Rashawn Breland was really one of the bigger impacts in that in that coverage game, apart from Tyron Matthew. Um, he was just He played very well in man coverage, and not to say he was like, shutting down the top the top wide receivers in the league, but he was slowing them down very productively to a level that not many other corners have been doing. He was very highly rated by Pro Football Focus, and I just feel like Rashad Breland does not get talked about enough. And most people do not even know about Rashad Breland. There's a little bit of off-the-field issues. He, I believe he was arrested this offseason is facing a suspension, but that's not what I'm talking about when it comes to <laughs> underrated players. So I think Rashad Breland is underrated, and I'm sticking with it. Number nine. Um, he, uh, that's a good, that's a good place. Rashad Breland, another player's not really on my list. I'm not, yeah, I'm not cornerback heavy. Like you have a lot of cornerbacks on here. I'm not very cornerback heavy, but, um, coming at number nine, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, James Washington. Um, I think he, he's overshadowed by Deontay Johnson when it comes to like the most promising receiver on the Steelers from like a lot of the forums that I've heard of, but he led the Steelers in receiving yards this year. He's kind of like a, I don't know. This is off topic, but he's a kind of like a he's got a wonky body style. Like he's not very tall, but his arms are humongous, and he has he a really plays good like a six foot five wide receiver. Yeah. but he's like five ten. 
Yeah, it's so weird, but but I think he's going to be either a very good wide receiver too, or like, I don't know. You, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to get out of here, but I think James Washington does not get talked about as one of the most promising wide receivers in the NFL right now. Where, and there's like a lot of other guys that are overshadowing at the moment, but he really, he really showed up this year. And even without big Ben or really any consistent quarterback play, he really played well. And they just did not get talked about enough. So I'm going to give that spot. Number nine, James Washington. All right. All right. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Number eight, my, my one running back that made my list, um, Gus Edwards of the Baltimore Ravens at number eight. Another guy that's not talked about really at all. Mark Ingram's back up this year. Um, something that got me, for one, he was 13th in rushing grade in the NFL, pro football focus, obviously. And you think about that, it's like, okay, that, you think about that, and it's like, okay, that's not amazing. But then again, you think about it, it's only, okay, well, only 12 running backs were ahead of him, and there's 32 teams in this league, for one. And for two, um, the player right above him in rushing grade was Joe Mixon, and the player right below him in rushing grade was Ezekiel Elliott. So he was a very high in rushing grade. And 31% of runs that Gus Edwards made were first downs, which is good for number one in the league. Um, Gus Edwards is just a very productive back this season. Sadly, he his production is going to drop this year. They bring in J.K. Dobbins. Um, and Justice Hill on that team is still going to be getting a run because he's a young guy. Gus Edwards, his production is going to fall off this year, and I'm not doubting that. They, there's so many good running backs on that team, and there's just not enough carries to go around to all of them. I think Gus Edwards, when he's able to to play, he's a very productive running back, but he just doesn't get the run enough. I think he could be maybe a low-end running back one or a high-end running back two on some NFL team out there. You know, I think I think Washington would be chomping up a bit to <laughs> to sign Gus Edwards. So I, I think he's very underrated there. I like his fit in Baltimore, even though he's not going to be getting as much run this year. But I like him as my number eight. Gus Edwards, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have him on my list either, but um, he certainly is underrated, and I, see, I certainly see your point. He started last year. He started for the Ravens last year, um, and he played very well, but then they decided to sign Ingram this offseason. So when he's in the game, he plays really good. Um, and, yeah, probably, like, just as good as Ingram, maybe even, like, I don't know, actually, but <laughs> he, he has played well. Um, at number eight, I have someone who's just starting to get his recognition, someone we talk about a lot on this show. Um, comparatively, I got the safety for the Denver Broncos, Justin Simmons. So, um, he, yeah, he's gotten a lot of recognition lately. So I, I guess he's he's borderline not really underrated anymore. But but he certainly is is very good, very consistent, very well balanced. As um, from what I've heard, I haven't really watched him play a lot, but um, I, I do think he's he's a very good very good safety for the Broncos. His PFF grade was good. He was in my top ten safety list. Um, I think he was either eight or nine. I can't really remember. He might have been ten actually, but um, just another guy. I don't think he gets talked about enough. I can I can definitely get behind that. So my number seven, get straight to it. Wide receiver, Cincinnati Bengals, Tyler Boyd at number seven. Um, I really like Tyler Boyd as a receiver. People are, he's this is his second straight season that he's put up over a thousand yards. Um, like, are we just not? noticing Tyler Boyd because it's like even like Michael Gallup puts up a thousand yards and is like oh look at Michael Gallup he's a good wide receiver too no I've never heard it like a good word about Tyler Boyd in the national media ever 
Like he's such a solid receiver. And over that span, he has 12 touchdowns in the past two years. He's been doing it all. And obviously he's been doing it with Andy Dalton last year and for the about half of this year. And Andy Dalton isn't like a terrible quarterback, but he's no stud. He is uh, like the epitome of an average quarterback. I saw a thing uh, that was like the Andy Dalton rule. And it's like, if your quarterback is worse than Andy Dalton, then you really need a new quarterback. If your quarterback is better than Andy Dalton, you can you can play with him. If your quarterback is Andy Dalton, you're in no man's land. <laughs> but there, and then he had to play with Ryan Finley for the other half of this year. And it, if you think Andy Dalton is average, then Ryan Finley is far below. Um, Ty Boyd just had a very productive couple of seasons. Ty Boyd was the only wide receiver that went for 100 yards on our Pittsburgh Steelers, sadly. Um, the man, man, the myth, the legend here, two straight thousand yards. Granted, they were barely over 1,000 yard seasons, I will say, I will admit, but he made it over the 1K mark two seasons in a row. And honestly, I think next season, it's not a popular opinion, but I think by the end of next season, Tyler Boyd is going to be the solidified wide receiver one on that team. And AJ Green will be the wide receiver two. You can quote me on that one. I can see it. Um, it all depends on. On if AJ Green can stay healthy or, or like he was good in, in 2015 and 2016, but he's kind of like a shell of his former self these days. Um, mm-hmm. And number seven, I have someone that was on your honorable mention. So I, I guess when I said there wasn't anybody on your honorable mentions that was on my list, I was wrong. Um, uh, Javon Hargrave, newly signed from the Philadelphia Eagles from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this is the end. This is like when it starts to go from like players that we all kind of know now at some point to players that are a little bit less well known. To some extent. But, um, yeah, his stats were really good. His run-blocking ability is is, is uh, above, like, above average, but, like, really good. And, obviously, got lots of pressures, um, a good number of sacks. He was a good signing. Um, some would say he was overpaid, but um, they obviously didn't look at the stats to some extent. He was, he's an underrated player, and he's going to play well in, in Philly with um, with their, their front seven there. That's pretty good, so... I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Javon Hargrave is definitely an underrated player watching him in Pittsburgh for the past three years. We get our share, our fair share of Javon Hargrave love, so I like that. But you, you said that your list goes from like fairly well-known players to lesser-known players. My, mine goes the opposite. As we get <laughs> up here, my, mine goes from lesser-known players like your Rashad Breelands and Gus Edwards to kind of more well-known players. So my number six, I guess, is the last player that's like a lot of people probably might not know them, then. but you would know them once I mention. My my number six is Marcus Williams of the New Orleans Saints. His safety. The the thing Marcus Williams is well known, but he's not well known for a good reason. Uh, Marcus <laughs> Williams is well known if you do, if you haven't pieced it together by now. He is the safety that missed the big hit in the uh, Minnesota Miracle or Minneapolis Miracle, where the last play of the playoff game, Stephon Diggs caught the ball at about the 50-yard line. And Marcus Williams missed the tackle there, and Stephon Diggs went into the end zone as time expired, and the Vikings won the playoff game. Minneapolis miracle. That's what Marcus Williams is known for, for missing that play. But he this season was a very productive safety alongside Von Bell and Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins for a little bit in that, in that secondary there. And even Eli Apple was there for a little bit, now that I think about it. Um, Marcus Williams... Whole season, he allowed 12 receptions for 139 yards, which in itself is very good for safety and 42.2 quarterback rating, which is also very good. And he still came up with four interceptions this season. Um, very good stats for safety. 
let alone probably number two safety, we can say. I think Von Bell really was getting most of the play designs there when it comes to the safeties last season. Marcus Williams is going to come out this season swinging. Uh, he's going to be the number one safety now on that team, and I think he's going to have another great season there in that secondary that was. Um, it, it's better now because Norris Jenkins, we obviously know, is a good is a good corner. But when you come in mid-season, even towards the end of a season, it's tough to get acclimated and have kind of gel with the other guys, especially going from being the number one corner to a number two corner. It's difficult, obviously. They're not going to be able to practice at full extent together this offseason, but any little time that you're able to gel together and, and get some feel for how you play, that secondary will probably be better this season. Um, I like General Jenkins. I think General Jenkins is going to have a better bounce-back season right now. And the loss of Von Bell did hurt, but uh, I still see that secondary just being a little better. You know, I feel like Demario Davis is going to have to be respected a little bit more in that front seven than he has been in previous years. So I see a little bit of pressure being taken off that secondary, and I think it's going to be better and in large part to Marcus Williams. Yeah, I I um I didn't know that he was the guy who whiffed on the Minnesota Miracle, um, which apparently a lot of people just like didn't know who he was for some reason. I remember seeing that on some on some Instagram post, and I was like, do you remember the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis Miracle guy who was? <laughs> and, like, for some reason, like, no one knew who it was. I, I don't know. I just remember that in the back of my head. But um, my number six here is is um, Matthew Juden, Judon, linebacker for the uh, Ravens. His stats were good. He's, he's kind of a game wrecker. He was a top – I had him in my top ten list for the for – the, um, for, for the on-ball linebackers, for those blitzing linebackers. And um, he's really came in, come into his own. I've, I've seen him two times a year. Um, I see their fans, but I've seen him play. And he's he gets consistent pressure. And even, like, with the Steelers, that has had a good offensive line or at least an above-average offensive line for, like, a long time now. He's been able to get around uh, some of those around the edge sometimes and gets mm-hmm. pressure more this year than, than in past years. But I still don't think he's getting the recognition he deserves. Um, I don't know his stats. I can't remember his stats were. I'm pretty sure. I know the pressures were really good. And I'm not sure if it converted into a lot of sacks, but um, overall, I feel like the statistic for um, pressures is is an underrated statistic. I feel like people write them more on just sacks alone, but I think mm-hmm. pressures is almost just as important as sacks. Obviously, it's less important because it's it less direct, directly um, affects the game, but it still forces the quarterback to make up make their play quicker and, and throw the ball, and which leads to interceptions at times. So, uh-huh. there I have my... I, I like Judon. He, I actually had him very high in my top 10 list. I had him at, like, six. Uh, I really like Matt Judon. Obviously, when you watch him twice a year, at least, uh, it's easy to get a, a feel for how disruptive he is there. So, my number five, breaking into the top five, is where we get to the more, quote-unquote, well-known guys. My number five is Trey Boston of the Carolina Panthers, the safety there. Um, over the past three years, he has been second in coverage grade in the entire league for all players, which in its, in its own right is very impressive. Um, his combined pass breakups and interceptions ranked second over the past three years as well, only to Kevin Byard of the Tennessee Titans, who we all had at a top 10 safety. Trey Boston has been very underrated. He was in Carolina, went to the Chargers, and I went somewhere else afterwards, and then back to Carolina this year. I want to say it might have been Arizona. I'm not sure. He went somewhere, and then right back to Carolina again. He's just been a very productive safety everywhere he's going, everywhere he's been. Um, I believe he's on that for the Panthers for their Super Bowl year. 
one of the bigger pieces to that defense. And anyway, everyone's running. He's been one of the big pieces of their defense. Been able to, he's someone that I feel that they can really build around with that defense since they don't have that many like great pieces there. It's like him, Kawan Short, and Brian Burns is about all they've got there on that defense at this current point. They'll have Derek Brown, I guess, coming up this season. But I really like Trey Boston. I just don't feel like he gets as much recognition as he should. Yeah, that's a good pick. And I saw him on a lot of, like, when I looked up underrated NFL players, I saw his name come up a lot. But I don't know. I couldn't fit him, make a spot on the list for him. I like that pick there. Do we have any players that are even similar at this point? Javon Hargrave was on my honorable mentions. He made your list. That's it. <laughs> Boy, this player, this was supposed, this is the surprise player. This is player I, I, I know, I know, I know one player that I would bet money is going to be on both of our lists. But we'll, we'll get to him later. I, I would bet money there are two players that are going to be on both of our lists. Because um, I, I can guarantee one of them is still on there because you mentioned about how underrated he was. And there's one player that I think is just because I, he actually super underrated. Um, but up next to your, this is my surprise player. Um, and it is Ryan Kelly, the center for the Naples. So okay. Okay. he was drafted in the first round back in 2016 from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, and since then, he's played very well. He's barely missed any games due to injury. And yeah, he's been very consistent on the field. When it comes to offensive linemen, though, I don't think anyone really brings him up as like a top 10 offensive lineman, which I didn't either. But um, I think he's he's probably the second or third best best center in the NFL, not based on PFF grades, but just based on, on from what I've heard on different NFL forums and, and websites that like he is really good. And he's part of the he's probably one of the most veteran players on that Colts offensive line because it's, it's still young and good. Um, but he's yeah, he's been in the league since 2016. So. Yeah, he's missed, like, four games, um, which is, yeah, that's really good. I found that, like, it's, I feel like there's not a lot of players like that, like, in the, that don't get recognition. Like, I feel like he just deserves some yeah. more recognition. I feel you. I, I like the pick. It's definitely, in my opinion, a top three offensive line there with him and Quentin Nelson and Anthony Costanzo down there in Indianapolis. Um, I like the pick. It's tough for me to put offensive linemen on just because I don't know very much about offensive linemen. I'm not going to lie. I, I like it there. So my number four is actually the one player on this list that is a pro bowler and DJ Chark Jr. of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So when you think of DJ Chark Jr., you don't think of like a great receiver. When you think of the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, yeah, they don't have any good receivers. DJ Chark Jr. put up a thousand yards and eight touchdowns this season, being extremely productive down the field, down the field target for Gardner Minshew there. And he was a pro bowl alternate. So be it, but you know, so were studs like Joe Hayden was a Pro Bowl alternate, you know, and there's a lot of guys that that, that made that make it as alternates, but um, he just does not get talked about. He's one of the most productive down the field receivers in the league, and he has been for a few years now. Um, and when when you're putting up stats like that, I always I've said it with a few receivers, but when you I'm gonna say this a lot when with with my number one receiver on this list coming up in a little bit, but um. You're putting up a thousand yards with Gardner Minshew, and I've been higher on Gardner Minshew than most people are, but he's still Gardner Minshew, and he's more of a figurehead than a franchise quarterback. We can all agree. And DJ Chark is still putting up extremely respectable stats and becoming a Pro Bowl player and leading that receiving corps. That, apart from him, at last season contained D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley, and Keelan Cole. Not a productive group of wide receivers there. Um, so 
DJ Chark does not get the respect he deserves, in my opinion. Put some respect on his name at NFL. So uh, we finally have our first player that's the same. Ooh. I also have DJ Chark here at number Um I only, like, I would not have thought to put him on this list, but we were making, we were talking about um, the prediction, our predictions, and I had the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1 of 15, and I was like, they don't have a quarterback, they don't have uh, any wide receivers, and you're like, oh, they have DJ Chark. I didn't even know that he was good. And looking into the stats, so yeah, he's been like incredibly productive with minimal to no offensive talent other than him, Like if you really think about it. Um, yeah. Kind of just gave the whole spiel, but when you like, when you make the like, I didn't even put, I didn't put him on my top ten offensive line, um, on top ten wide receiver list. But with what he's had to put up with, he, like, he definitely could have deserved it, or at least an honorable mention. But um, definitely deserves some respect, as you would say. Yes, yes, yes. So my number three guy is one of the guys. It was the guy that I think we're best gonna have on the list. Whether you have him on the list or not, I think he's on my list. Obviously. I think he's going to be on your list in one of these top three spots. The Pittsburgh Steelers' own Stephen Nelson. I mentioned him just a a few spots beforehand, the corner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is just so underrated backing up Joe Joe Hayden this year. Obviously, we get to watch him for 16 games a year. He played like 15 games technically, but he was pro football focused, a sixth-graded corner in the entire league this season, the main man. Um, what, What gets me... He played over 1,000 snaps on the football field, and over 500 of those snaps were in coverage, and he allowed 33 completions. Um, I brought up this like thing at some point. I, don't, I might be able to find it real quick. But on one of our earlier episodes, I brought up this little stat line thing of his stats compared to Stephon Gilmore's. And obviously, we can all agree that Stephon Gilmore is a better. Here, I have it here. We can all agree Stephon Gilmore is a better. Um, corner. Obviously, we're not debating that, but the stats were in Steve Nelson's favor here. Head-to-head stats here. We have snaps. Stephon Gilmore has 952 snaps and Steven Nelson had 1,010 snaps. He had more snaps than Gilmore. He had one more target than Gilmore. Gilmore allowed 49 receptions and Nelson allowed 37. Nelson allowed almost 400 less yards. Neither of them allowed a touchdown and the difference there was Gilmore had a lot more interceptions. So when you look at it, Steven Nelson had played more snaps and had more targets and still allowed less receptions and significantly less yards than the number one corner in the NFL, Stephon Gilmore. Um, as much as we love Steve Nelson, well, he's not as good as Stephon Gilmore, but he's very underrated. And I think when, one day when Joe Hayden, sadly, will have to retire from football, Steve Nelson could be there and take his place on this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Let's go! We got another person that is the same. I did not think he would have him this high, but I, I threw him up here. Um, I also have Steven Nelson in here at number three. And what I wanted, I wanted a cornerback up high because there are a lot of underrated cornerbacks, as you already have a lot on your list here. And the first person I thought of was Marlon Humphrey because I feel like when it comes to like me, like I don't think I give him enough recognition. But then I was like, then I was thinking about it, and there's like, yeah, there's Steven Nelson on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's playing incredibly well. Um, him and Joe Hayden both have been playing incredibly well. Um, but Steven Nelson gets talked about like three times less than Joe Hayden. So um, you just went over the, the stats and, and such things. Um, but I do find that the comparison of him and uh, Stefan Gilmore incredibly interesting because, yeah, obviously 
they're not in the same like conversation for for the best cornerback in the NFL right now. But um, he's still like incredibly good, and he's still a a top fifteen cornerback in the NFL right now. And you cannot question me on that. I would easily have him like twelve or thirteen on a top fifteen cornerback list. Um, but I feel like most people would not because he had a bad reputation in um in Chiefs as kind of like an Audie Burns type of guy that that burnt out towards the end of his rookie contract. It obviously did not get re-signed. But he has he had his career revitalized here at Pittsburgh. And yeah, he'll stick around for years here. Hopefully um he can yeah, like you said, take over for Joe Hayden someday and be that true number one cornerback and maybe some guy like Justin Lane will move up or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. So by the way, with Steve Nelson, something that I wanted to say like a long time ago, like a couple episodes back, like 10 episodes back or something, I made a, a dumb statement. And it said, I said that like Steve Nelson might be the best number two corner in the league. I'm sorry for that statement. That was dumb. I forgot that like Marcus Peters existed and fire or Xavier Howard exists out there. And you know, like Chris Harris Jr. exists out there. <laughs> my, my apologies. That was a dumb take, but. Um, anyway, at number two, I mentioned this will be my number one receiver on the list. A guy that I mentioned that there, uh, there are usually three to four wide receivers that always get mentioned when you say underrated. And it's to a point where mo- some of them, I think, have become they've you've, we've called them underrated so many times that they're overrated. I think we're at the point where Devontae Parker and Kenny Galladay, as much as you may not like to say it. I think I feel like those guys are overrated at this point. We said they're underrated so much. Another guy is Corlin Sutton that always gets said. But this is the fourth receiver that gets mentioned when you say underrated. And this is the one that I really agree with. And my number two spot, Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. I, I, this man, when you talk about playing with bad quarterbacks as a wide receiver, this man is the CEO. His career quarterbacks have been Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky. And that is what he's dealt with. And he's putting up 1,000-yard seasons left and right. He put up a 15-touchdown season, which led the league with Blake Bortles. Last season, he put up 98 receptions for 1,147 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, I think he should have been a pro bowler. Sadly, he was not. And um, I get a lot of stuff about Allen Robinson because I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, which I've mentioned. I'm not obviously a Bears fan, but I'm on the Chicago sports Twitter, quote-unquote. So I see... A lot of stuff. Well, I follow a lot of like Chicago Bulls accounts, and they'll retweet stuff about like the Bears and the Cubs and the White Sox and this and that and the Blackhawks. I don't care about them, but when you look at Allen Robinson, I it really gives me an appreciation for just how good Allen Robinson is. Seeing that he was really the only bright spot on such an abysmal Chicago Bears offense last season, the only thing really holding them afloat to a semi middle of the pack offense, and I think Allen Robinson could be a potential top ten receiver next season. And if he had a good receiver, or if he had a good quarterback lookout world, Allen Robinson would be a solidified top 10 wide receiver, and you cannot convince me otherwise. So uh, here at number two, I have Kenny Clark. So um, he is he is that run-stopping defensive lineman we've mentioned um, in, in episodes past. But yeah, he was another guy, when you said him, I had to like think for a couple seconds to even like remember who he was, what team he played for. Um let alone that I knew that he was that good. And I think that is how it is for a lot of NFL fans. That they do not realize that, like, just how talented this guy is, just how important he is for the Packers defense. Um, I don't have many of the stats written down, 
but I know that he is incredibly good. And you've, you've mentioned them in episodes past. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to know them. <laughs> you can go back and watch the, the defensive line episode, but Kenny Clark is a beast in the run game, I must admit. Well, my number one guy, I mentioned corners was something that dominated my list. My number one guy is a corner, and in, I won't say he's not the best number two corner in the league, but he's certainly in the conversation. New England Patriots, J.C. Jackson is my number one underrated player in the league. He is no, not a lot of people know of J.C. Jackson, the corner, but he is an absolute monster. He was an undrafted free agent a few years back. The past two years, he has been targeted 29 times um, of 20-plus yards down the field. He Of those 29 times he was targeted 20 yards on the field, he allowed three receptions. He forced 10 incompletions and six interceptions on 29 targets of 20 yards down the field. He is an absolute maniac. He's one of the top young corners in this league, and sadly, nobody knows about him. J.C. Jackson is... I think he's honestly a possible fringe top 10 corner in the league. It's not a popular opinion, but it's my opinion. Um, JC Jackson, extremely underrated. He's my number one underrated player in the league. And judging by your eyes, that's what tells me he's underrated. I do think he's underrated, but I would not have him top 10. It's, I don't know how we're making this list. So if we're going to take I don't know a, a list of, so if, like, I was thinking, like, are we going to take a list of underrated players and then just listen, like, which player is underrated, but also like the best player that we consider underrated? Which player is like the most underrated? Like, I kind yeah. of went by like the most underrated. I think JC Jackson's the most underrated in the league. But like, you look at guys like Allen Robinson, he's very underrated. He, I, I probably went by the most underrated because Joey Jackson's very underrated and Brashad Breeland's very underrated. They're underrated, but they're not, they're still not as good as. That my guys at the top, you know, but I still think that the guys at the top are somehow more underrated. Because it's like, I mean, I, I guess theoretically you don't know Bashad Breeland, but a lot of people don't know Steve Nelson, so it's like they're probably about the same. So yeah, you know, Steve Nelson is way better than Bashad Breeland, so that's why. Yeah, that's how I conceptualize it in my mind, at least to say the least. I am so surprised you don't have Kenny Clark on your list. Um, I see, and I I thought about Kenny Clark. But thinking about it, um, Kenny Clark, I don't know. I, f- I feel like he's another guy that's starting to come around and get a lot more recognition. I was thinking even like Michael Pierce or someone I could put on this list. But those are guys that, with the emergence of like Madden ratings and this and that, they, they get a lot more recognition at this time of year where it's like, oh, this guy's good. Let me, let me look into his game, but I've never heard of him. And those are just guys that I feel like they're starting to come around on people a little bit more for whatever reason. I think J.C. Jackson has never came around on anyone and he's still not coming around. And I, I will be the man that brings JC Jackson around. Mark my you, know words. What? you know what? I'm going to look into just some JC Jackson highlights or something because yeah, you've mentioned him before and I was like, okay, yeah, he's just like, just one of those guys. And like, if you're either serious about it, I'll have to look into it, but I can probably assume um, who my number one guy is. It is a wide receiver and it's someone that like really does never get talked about. It's, you know, someone who's got burners. It's Johnny Holton. Johnny Holton is incredibly underrated. Um, that, that, J.C. Jackson was like my 1B. Um, my 1A was Deontay Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> of the Denver um, Broncos, my favorite wide receiver in NFL history. Um, it is. A, it, I was just joking. My number one is Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. And you said it all um, about how he, um, yeah, he has not played with 
a single elite quarterback, but he's putting up elite stats. He's carrying his back must be so sore right now. He's carrying he's carried so many quarterbacks to this point. He's he's got to um, wear a brace every time he takes a step. Yeah, but it, it's it's crazy. Uh, he, yeah, he's put up he a thousand yard like a thousand receiving yard season like all the time, and and yeah, with like not really any any help around him. Every team he's played for has a has had a, a subpar offensive line, a, a not a good wide receiver core around him, and a mediocre at best quarterback. <laughs> so he's he's incredibly underrated, and he's another guy everyone knows he's underrated, but like they still don't really make him a. Yeah, they like, know like he's better than you think he is, but they don't know he's like that much better. Yeah, imagine him with like like Matt Ryan, and yeah, he was on like the, the Falcons situation with him. An like, average quarterback, like no disrespect to Mitch Trubisky, but he's a below average quarterback at this point. I think we can agree on that one. And not to um, say that Allen Robinson, sorry to cut you off a little bit, but not, not to say that Allen Robinson is DeAndre Hopkins because he's not. But this is like DeAndre Hopkins stuff where he plays with Matt Schwab and Brian Hoyer and Ryan Fitzpatrick his whole career and puts up 1,100, 1,200 yards. And everyone's like, well, in DeAndre Hopkins' case, everyone's like, yeah, he's still good. But no one knows about Allen Robinson. Like, give Allen Robinson Deshaun Watson and see him put up fifteen hundred yards, and then be, oh wow, I've been sleeping on this Allen Robinson kid. Yeah, you have. Yeah, that's that's how it is. Um, so I saw this, this is kind of a sidetrack. Mitch Trubisky. <clears throat> so like his his original year, Matt Aggie is like a really good coach. So he was able to to tell you know what the weaknesses were on the defense, and to tell Mitch Trubisky like you know watch the flats, watch the middle of the field, and. Mitch Trubisky would just do what the coach said and just throw there. Well, the second year, the defenses started getting like some more com- like more complex and stuff when they played them, which is like this is just from what I've heard. And the coach would be like, well, "I think the flats will be open here. Watch the flats." And he'd like throw to a completely covered like running back in the backfield and just get picked off. <laughs> like you know, like when there was someone else that was open, it was just a, a disguised coverage, but you can't really tell that before. I guess yeah. I'm no NFL coach, but um, like apparently that's like he just follows what the people tell him to do, like, word for word, no matter what. And then, like, if there's a disguise coverage, he's just stuck in a really bad position. So hopefully he can develop some of his own decision-making. Because he, he played good his first year. There was, you know, discussions of him being a, a top-ten quarterback in Chicago Bears Super Bowl the next year, but obviously didn't work out. So Yeah, yeah I love Mitch Trubisky is a good guy. And the way that I've heard it put by many NFL analysts, um, is the, the, the I've heard the term smoke and mirrors offense is something that comes up very frequently there. Of you know, Mitch Trubisky was a Pro Bowler that year, and they were twelve and four. Matt Nagy was a genius there offensively of being able to run weird plays is how I'll explain it. Just plays that aren't normally ran a lot of play actions when they were passing for one. He ran a lot of like strange flea flicker trick plays. And just a lot of plays that are like non-traditional that a defense isn't going to go out and prepare for on a weekly basis. And that was when they went 12 and 4 and were very good offensively. And then you you come at it this year, defenses, you're not going to be able to run smoke and mirrors offense for years and years to come. Defenses are going to start to adjust and prepare for things that they wouldn't have otherwise prepared for. And if Mr. Bistie's not making his own reads like that, it's going to be tough when defenses are able to adjust to to the style of offense you're playing. And it's difficult to transition from a college offense to an NFL offense. Obviously, an NFL offense is a lot more complex, and there's a lot less down-the-field throwing and trick plays and wide-open receivers. 
like there was in college. So I don't blame a quarterback in their first couple of years to like you know, try to get adjusted, but Trubisky is a different beast. He's been in the league for three years now or so, and he's never been able to adjust really to any capacity. He's just, I love, I like Trubisky. He's a good guy. Uh, he saw him working out with Switzer and stuff in the offseason last year and James Conner at some point. He's a good He's a good man. Everyone in Chicago loves him as a person. I've never heard a bad word about Trubisky as a person, but he's just not built to be a starting NFL quarterback for a playoff team. And I, I've said it once. I've said it a million times. That's hmm. how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's – unless he can, like, really develop some, some new skills, I don't think he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL for much longer. <laughs> And I still think he's going to start this year. And most people are on the Nick Foles train, but I still think Trubisky's going to get the starting this year, too, personally. Uh, someone told me this, and I just thought it made a lot of sense. If they were going to sign a quarterback that they wanted to start over Trubisky, they would have just signed Cam because Cam's better than Foles and would have like yeah. 100% been a better option and would have been cheaper. But they went for <laughs> Foles. I think they're I think they're still trying to fix fix Trubisky to some extent. So yeah, that that, that I like that comparison because. I think they want to bring in someone that's about as good as Trubisky to like motivate Trubisky to get better. Because <laughs> they, they want Trubisky to be good. That's like the, the ultimate thing there is if Trubisky could grow into a very good quarterback. They want Foles to come in and motivate slash teach Trubisky to be a really good quarterback. And then if Trubisky is worse than we thought, well, then Foles is about an average quarterback that you can throw in there and win a few games with. and then Or we suck and try to get Trevor Lawrence or... Who else? JT or Justin Fields or Trey Lance in the draft. So all of our record predictions, I feel like they're all kind of messed up now because I had the pages being bad, but they're definitely gonna be worse this year after all the players decide to sit out. Um, or like the Bears, they lost Eddie Goldman or Eddie. Yeah, they lost one of their good defensive linemen, and I feel like now none of the Patriots have Cam. Like it might actually even out. Never mind. I. Because they didn't have Cam whenever we made our, our prediction. So it might even out the players they lost in, in Cam. Because yeah. I was like, only- I mentioned the other day that, like, uh, I was like, yeah, I might, I, I had the Patriots at 6 and 10. Maybe they go like 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 with Cam. And then they lose Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, uh, Isaiah Cannon, uh, Matthew Slater. And it's like, oh, maybe <laughs> they do go 6 and 10. You know, it's like, you know. Yes. It, it'll be interesting to see, like, we're making all these predictions with the assumption that there will be an NFL season, but I've heard a lot of, of mixed of mixed reactions on if they think there's going to be an NFL season or not. And I'm really hoping there is. <laughs> I, think, I think there will be. If it even if it's shortened to to 12 or 10 weeks, and then there's like a shortened playoffs of, of, or something like that. Um, but I know the NFL has explored the idea of of like a bubble, like the NBA has. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's realistic because they need so many like football fields, um, which I guess they sorted out a basketball court and a, and a football field is not that much different size in reality. But um, they're all outside, but, you know, so I guess that makes it harder. I don't know. And like all of the teams play on like the same day. So I guess that messes up like all of the amount of like technology you need there to to be able to record like all these different stadiums and stuff. I guess it's just like a logistical nightmare. Have like a football yeah. bubble. Um, I don't also, know how that would work, but I think I think the newest rumor I've heard is that they're just gonna do like the they're gonna fly, get there, go straight to the stadium, and then like just fly right back to their to like this like Pittsburgh. So they just like go from Pittsburgh 
to fly in like to New to New York for the Giants game, and then like return that night, but they'll just fly out the same day too, <laughs> so they don't have to stay in a hotel. And they that would all that would give home to, that that that's going to give home teams a crazy advantage there. <laughs> yeah, but because <clears throat> imagine you go to Kansas City. And you got to fly to Kansas City and you get there and you're jet lagged because you don't get to sleep. And then it's like the loudest stadium you've ever heard in your life. Well, down there, Arrowhead, and then you just got to fly back after you take a fat loss. I don't know. That's, that's another thing, too. I, if, I think the, the best, like the max capacity that they're going to be able to have at these stadiums is half. So yeah. they're going to be able to bring the, the normal Arrowhead Stadium <laughs> energy with. With less people, so half of Arrowhead Stadium is still twice of <laughs> the Chargers. That is true. I saw this. The, the WNBA does not have to change their um their their policy for people for their spectators because no one comes to the games anyway. <laughs> yeah, I saw NBA player Andre Iguodala like tweeted, and it was like number twenty three on the Mystics is really nice. It was like really nice at basketball. And then, like, her name, I don't remember her name. It was, like, Ariel Powers, I think, was her name. And she retweeted. It was, like, if you're going to disrespect me like that, keep your tweet to yourself. I have a name. It's, like, come on. <laughs> it's, like, for real, you guys, WNBA players, I respect WNBA players, but they say, like, we want to be recognized. And then you get recognized by, you know, an NBA finals MVP, like, three-time champion, and then you just, are like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's... I don't know. The WNBA is weird. I don't think I've ever watched a WNBA game. Uh, no, I've never, I definitely never watched a WNBA game. Um, I know the, there's like the Snapchat Sports Center, and they talk about it, and I always just skip past it because I don't care. Will you watch the NBA and like the best plays of every game when you watch highlights or like posterizing dunks or, you know, crazy finishes? But then you watch the, the WNBA and the best plays of every game are like, three-point shots and while three-point mm-hmm. shots can be very impressive most times they're not to be fair but I, the funny thing that i that i would see with that it was it would show that tweet and then it would cut to a different tweet of jamal adams watching the oklahoma game at one point he said man number nine is really good at football and it was kenneth murray who ended up getting drafted in the first round this year by the chargers and he just retweeted and said thanks man that means a lot <laughs> and it was like the comparison and is i found that funny yeah, but speaking of basketball, the NBA officially came back today. Um, I was able to watch most of the first game, Utah Jazz versus New Orleans Pelicans. Sadly, I was rooting for the Pelicans, and they lost by like two points. They were up by so much, but for whatever reason, they sat Zion Williamson for the past last. He only played fifteen minutes in that game, which is absurd. He was playing very well in those fifteen minutes, and they didn't play him at the end when they really needed to to be able to win that game. Don't ask yeah. me why. It was stupid, but, you know, uh, Lakers versus Clippers was on when, when we started recording. It was, like, halftime, and it was, it was the Clippers dropped by two, if I'm not mistaken, at halftime. It was a really good game I was watching, but everyone was shooting poorly from the field because, like, three or something, three months or so off basketball, it's going to happen. There's a lot of turnovers in these games and a lot of bad shooting from the field, but it's just nice to be able to watch some basketball once again. Yeah. I like seeing the highlights. I yeah, I didn't watch per usual, but I'm pretty sure the, I'm pretty sure the Lakers won. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, for me personally, uh, I of the teams that are like like 
actual contenders, I'd probably want the Clippers to win out of all teams. But I'm not going to whine if the, if the Bucs win. I'd rather the Lakers not win, personally. If the Lakers win, whatever, you know, for Kobe Bryant. The problem is, if the Lakers win, everyone's going to say it's rigged because hmm. of the death of Kobe Bryant, obviously. It's like, they just wanted the Lakers to win, and LeBron's on that team. I don't want the Lakers to win. It, it, it'd be kind of lame. I want the Clippers to win. My man, Joakim Nail, can get a ring, get Kawhi Leonard another ring, Paul George. There's a lot of cool guys on that team I'd like to see with the ring. And um, the box would be cool. You get Giannis a ring. But I'm, a, I'm an advocate of, like, I want to see movement in the NBA. It's always, like, not that, like, I love it when players leave their teams because I, I love disloyalty. But it's always fun when, like, a really good player switches teams. You got you must, you got to admit, it's always fun. And any small chance that a Giannis Antetokounmpo comes to Chicago to for the hometown Bulls, not really hometown because I don't live there, but for the Chicago Bulls, don't win the championship. Milwaukee, make Giannis get mad at you, and then he wants to come to Chicago and win a championship with Zach Levine. Yeah. The NBA is just different from the NFL. Yeah, a lot. But the big stars move teams like so often. It's fun to keep track, even if I'm not like aware of all like how good all these people are. It's still cool to see the, the trades. Or yeah, yeah, like the team trade away like their whole starting lineup for one guy. <laughs> That's basically what the Lakers did <laughs> this year. They traded. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and like a bunch of pick Josh Hart and like a bunch of picks for Anthony Davis. They <laughs> mortgaged their health future. And the Clippers honestly traded Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and a buttload of picks to bring in uh Paul George. So those are two teams that are champions the real championship contenders that kind of mortgage their whole future <laughs> for the next couple of years. So they better yeah. get some championships out of it, to say the least. But it's I all see. worth it if you bring in the ring. Mm-hmm. I was with that in the NFL, where the they're the, like the, they do that, like the Rams did that, and the Niners did that to some extent, and even the Steelers did that. They they traded some picks for for Minka and and uh, Devin Bush. Like that's the way the NFL is moving towards a more quick paced off season, where they they get the stars and free agency. In Seattle to an extent, yeah, Seattle too. Jamal Adams and maybe Jadavion Clowney comes back. Russ Wilson gets paid big. So, but. Um, I've seen people saying that they got fleeced in that trade. And like, and honestly, I don't really disagree. Because Jamal Adams obviously a top-time player in the league. And if you, if you really need Jamal Adams and they're not going to accept it for anything less than what you gave them, sure. But you could have got him for less, is my point. Because everyone in the league knows that Jamal Adams is gone. He wants out. They're going to have to trade him. He's their dissing Adam Gase. No one ever thought that he was going to be able to, like, revitalize his relationship there with the Jets. They knew he was going to leave and you still couldn't get him for anything less than two first round picks, a third round pick and a young productive safety. Like really? Yeah. That's like, they didn't trade it. No one would give the Steelers a first round pick. I know they wanted that and then they wanted a second round pick and all they could get is a third round pick. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you get a third and a fifth round pick for Antonio freaking Brown, the best wide receiver in the league. But you know the safety, the safety movie, two two first, and they're in largely the same. They were in largely the same situation there as well. But Jamal Adams' situation seemed, I don't even, I don't even know. They they were largely the same situation, except Jamal Adams was about money, and Antonio Brown's was about pride. Yeah, I guess but, this is, we can call it a show. But before, before we call this a show, we have to we have to give the rundown oh, yeah. of of the top tens as per usual. So, my, my honorable mentions, Corey Littleton, Javon Hargrave, Alexander Johnson, Dallas Goddard, 
from 10 to 1, Rashad, or, sorry, Adoree Jackson, Rashad Breeland, Gus Edwards, Tyler Boyd, Marcus Williams, Trey Boston, DJ Chark, Stephen Nelson, Allen Robinson, JC Jackson. My honorable mentions were T.Y. Hilton, Dave DeCastro, Davies White, and Joe Mixon. Then 10 to 1, I had Russell Wilson, James Washington, Justin Simmons. Uh, who do I have? Seven. Ron Hargrave. Sorry, I can't even read it. Then Matthew Judon, Ryan Kelly, DJ Chark, um, a cornerback for the Steelers, Kenny Clark, and Allen Robinson. <laughs> My eyes are all foggy for some reason. I cannot tell what I wrote there. Yeah, Joe's out of it. I can, I can tell. He's tired. <laughs> yeah, I got to wake up early again tomorrow, which is not I'm in the same, but I'm, I, I'm good tomorrow. I don't got to wake up early, but I'm going to have to wake up early on Saturday. So, mm, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, yes. So if if we somehow get an episode out on Saturday, then this will be for naught. But I really hope this episode acts as a perfect segue to the most awesome weekend of your life. Um, you get to hear about our underrated players and our, our rants about the NBA at the end here. Um, yes. We'll see you before long as my, my summer schedule completely halted after a three-week crazy run. <laughs> Um, these, these people that listen to all of our episodes get a, the best weekend of their life every weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is, you always want your weekends to be better. I mean, weekends are always awesome. You know, you can, you can just chill out or you can have a crazy weekend where you, where you do a lot of stuff. You know, they're always fun no matter what, though. Yeah, uh, I had a boring weekend. Actually, no, this weekend was good. But <laughs> last weekend was good. This weekend should be good. Now that I think about it. So never mind. I retract my statement. Usually I have boring weekends, but recently they've been good weekends. Mm-hmm. But, I you know, good. life is good. And again, if you got any ideas, we're probably going to do overrated players. Next episode would be my guess. But uh, if you got any ideas for after that, anything you want to see, hit us up in the Instagram DMs or comment section. I don't What Do you remember what the ad is? Because I don't. <laughs> uh, it's Colton and Joshua, but just periods in between each word. But if you just put in Joseph O'Connell or, jo- or Colton Talpas, it should come up right away, I think. It should. It should. Um, I just got like a s- splitting headache in the side of my head for whatever reason, but mm-hmm. so, such is life. Such is life. Such is life. Peace out. For the Colton and Joshua, we are peace and-